Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I am here once again with Howard Tybal. Oh, Pete, how are you this today? I'm doing very well. You sound really exuberant. What is going on with you? Is something wrong? Did they change your medication? <laughs> Matter of fact, they didn't. <laughs> this is all you? This is natural this is Howard? me. It's all it me. There's no medication involved, no alcohol, no drugs, no nothing. <laughs> so I'm clean today. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You're a regular Walter White. Uh, yeah, oh, I like that image. I wanted to get one of those hats, but Pam wouldn't let me. She uh, says that you cannot wear one of those hats. You can't pull. You can't pull it off, or she won't I allow can't. you. Oh no, I can pull it. Oh, off. you can. I just think that you know it might take us down the wrong direction. <laughs> can we? Can we move on? I can I think we can. You know, here's what I want to talk about. We've been talking so much about this high level stuff, right? High level leadership and aligning yeah. leadership to, and strategy to vision and mission. And and you know, I get to thinking. I get to thinking to myself. I think, Pete, how is it that we actually align all this? This high-level stuff, this mission, vision, strategy talk, to our daily, weekly, monthly progress. How do we? What are the practical tools and solutions that you employ with your clients that says, "Hey, here's here's now we know where we're going to go. Here's how we're going to ensure that we get there. That we are, you know, for lack of a better phrase, on the same team, moving in the same direction." And uh, I know this is very much in your wheelhouse. This is what you do. How do you guide your clients in this new in their new direction? You really think I have an answer for this, don't you? I do. I believe it in my heart of hearts. Wow. Mm -hmm. As you and I were thinking about this, preparing for this conversation, um, what occurred to me, maybe for the first time, is we got to stop calling these projects. It's dangerous you know, words got, there. Yeah. I mean, you know, the nice thing about calling something a project is it's it's tangible, right? You know, we're going to do the, the XYZ project. Uh, and a lot of projects that we do, and I'll and let's let's include a retreat, a event, a gathering, a forum, pulling a a, a team together. Uh, we've bought into the idea of projects because it gives people a place to know where they land. We talk about why we're here, what we're doing, how we're doing it. It, it, it spans some length of time. We thank people and they go back to their lives. Here's the problem with projects. The work begins when the projects end. And what ends up happening is everybody is deeply relieved that the project's over. They go back to their work and nobody's manning the shop going, uh, hello, we're not done. A matter of fact, we now have to implement this stuff. Or we just did this wonderful exercise in building new ideas to be efficient and effective. And we got great buy-in. And six months later, something's got implemented. Much didn't get implemented. And there's no process to come back and say, all right, now what? And this is, I think, the inherent flaw in in project work is that most project work gives the impression that the project itself is the goal the project is the starting point and and i can tell you that i'm describing this where i have ideas and have and have participated and led some successes but more often than not when somebody engages us to do something, they want to know what it is. They want to know how long it lasts. They want to know what it's going to cost. 
And beyond that, they just want to get it done. And when is the last time? <laughs> when is the last time you ever responded to that question? Uh, it never ends, and it costs as much as your uh, institutional fortitude uh, allows. Well, actually, what's interesting as you say that here, here's the here's the work that I think has to happen. So I'm working with um, Colorado Boulder, CU Boulder, and they hired a new head to oversee. So the whole HR function, wonderful guy, uh, Scott Morris, going to throw the name out there. And Scott has a vision for, and, and I'm going to have him on the show sometime. Uh, we should, he, he's, he's great in that he recognizes that we have to build this internal competency to have, in a sense, partners internally that can help move the needle forward and help departments with moving from A to B and then after they we and then come back and go B to C. The problem with just using consultants is that what consultants do is we often get brought in because something's really reared its ugly head or someone's got a great idea, but then when we leave there's nobody paying attention to how you can move this thing forward. Scott's idea and a lot of HR people, are, you know, are are moving. Uh, strategic HR folks are recognizing we need to create this competency internally. That's the answer. It's not bring back Tybalink, which I love to do. But I, what I, what I more prefer to do is help institutions develop that internal competency, so they can run with the ball themselves. Why the love of project thinking then? I mean, I think I think for what you're saying. No, 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 no. I think institution. institutionally. I mean, I I think uh, you know we we it, this isn't the first time that we've heard this, right? I mean, if you really want to institutionalize change, you have to change culturally. You have to change, and that takes a long time. It takes an invested effort. It's not something that you can yeah. sign off on. And no cultural change ever yeah. ends in a milestone. See why we're all attached to projects is projects are a way of getting things started, building momentum, having a team understand we're going to have you be part of this thing. You're going to do this in addition to your day jobs because this is not your day job. This is You're going to learn a ton. You're going to connect with some great people, and then we're going to relieve you of this responsibility. And it's an effective way to get things started. It's not an effective way to get things to stay, uh, sort of continue. Okay. Uh, and it's a llama, because if you didn't call it a project and you said to people, we're going to start something, and by the way, we don't know if it's ever going to end. Right. You know, see, leaders understand that. I mean, if, if, you ha if you're responsible for, at any level of leadership, if you're responsible for, uh, the mission or goals of a particular area from the board to the president to the vice president to the directors to the staff, if you're responsible for something, you you know that the work's going to always continue. But much of the work that people end up doing is transactional. And the strategic stuff where projects sort of take on this, this, uh, this beginning stage – they they they're an effective way to get people mobilized. You know, IT projects are a great example. IT projects suffer the same problem though. We do a great IT project. It's so that we can get these systems in, right? 
We can turn the switch. A lot has to happen to just get us to turn the switch. But what happens after we turn the switch is there, there often is not a mechanism to help with that continued learning. Uh, and an institution has to decide if this is their priority. I think boards and presidents have to decide about that institutional competency because you have turnover in your boards. Right. So one of the things that I'm seeing a lot more of is the concept of mentorship and building that into an institution structure. So whether it's a board and when new board members come on, what you have is individuals positioned to mentor that individual. Mentorship is a really uh, not really well understood the power of it, not just for the mentee, but for the mentor. The mentor gets to practice the thing that they're aware of. And by practicing, you get better at it. But whether it's the senior leadership team, new members come on, and that there's some mentorship capacity about what it is to be on this team, a department, and mentorship, this is something organizations can do to build the kind of uh, continuous way of evolving as team members change. And, and, And I think that, you know, having been uh, at that AGB uh, sessions in um, in Phoenix, one of the things that I saw a lot more talk around was the way we're going to build better boards as we transition people off and transition new people on is doing a better job of mentorship. And I think that's a great concept. So let's talk a little bit more about some of these practical tools that you that you use to engage people to keep making more of these kinds of investments in in non-project thinking. And I, I think it's important to to at least reflect on the way you pitch the new normal, right? Uh, I know, and I, I hear you when you say that there is a love of project uh, project language because it gets things started and it's defined. And what would it be like if you just went to your team and said, hey, we don't know when this thing is going to end. And yet this, the way you talk about the new normal when you are presenting on this concept of our, our the fact that the world has changed around us and in fact it's never going to change back is really kind of the language we're talking about here to we need to accept that we need sustainable uh change and we need it adopted across the institution is that a fair parallel you talk about the new normal and i've talked about it with you a bunch and tying that to this idea of if the new normal is we we need to get out of project way thinking and thinking more like we're going to build this into our culture the key there and there's no getting around this is leadership taking a stand around that and starting to build a mindset where this is really not about getting from point a to whatever point Z and then saying we're done and being willing to help people see that that's a that's the way we need to work and then when we hire people we need to hire them knowing they have that capacity that 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 curiosity that that willingness to think of themselves as lifelong learners because the only thing I know that makes the difference uh, or is the difference between a great employee a, a, and an average one is their capacity to think about themselves as a lifelong learner and willing to keep saying, all right, I did that well. How can I do it better? I'm tackling this new thing. I'm not going to do a cookie cutter approach on this. How do I treat this one differently? And I think we can train people, but that will not happen 
in the absence of a leader saying, this is what I expect of you. Uh, and that, that's, what I, that's what I talk about with leaders. That's what I try and give them tools. But it's less, Pete, a strategy like here's the, here's the roadmap or here's your template to do this. It's, it's you putting it out to your staff no matter what level you're at. Uh, we are going to stop thinking in terms of these just mini milestones. We got stuff to do. We have to have markers in the calendar. But recognize when we say this ends, what we're saying is something else begins. And we need to have the conversation about now that we're saying we're done with this, what are we now saying we're going to start doing and building uh, mechanics around that, building milestones around what's in front of us that doesn't lend itself to this project way of thinking. All right, so I uh, I led that question with something and it, different than what I ended it with, and so I want to go back to the to the first part of my question because I I think you have thoughts on that too. How do you go back to this sense? Like, what are the practical tools that you really recommend uh, institutions adopt? that allow them to focus more on this sustainable, ongoing uh, cultural change uh, rather than project thinking. Okay. Uh, the first thing is the difference between outcome thinking and, uh, and input thinking. Uh, you know, higher ed is moving from it's about getting students in to how are they going to come out. That is a paradigm shift for institutions to figure out, well, what does that actually mean and how do we measure that? We can measure enrollment, right? We can measure someone's SATs and all the stuff that gets them into our institutions. We don't, we're, we're just beginning to learn how to measure, measure outcomes. Same thing is true in projects. We need to have metrics for the results we're trying to produce. And what that does is that gives us the longer term view about when we're done, when we say we're successful with this IT project or we're going to put in uh, student success uh, practices around retention, it's not the practices that matter. It's the outcome we're trying to produce. And that, when, that, when the outcome is front and center, what ends up happening is you're, you always recognize you still have a place to go. And that to me is the single uh, biggest contributor to getting to a sort of a continuous way of thinking is focusing on outcome measures, defining them, putting metrics around it in timeframes. And then when you're done with the first phase of the project, you realize you got this thing started, but you have not achieved your outcome. And by the way, last thing I'll say here is some of your outcomes are going to, are going to outlive your tenure at the institution. So you got to recognize that some of these things that you need uh, need to be committed to, you might not be around to see the success, and you'll be turning the baton over to the next person. Uh, I think that's where sometimes we don't think longer term because we think in terms of what we can get done in the time frame that we're here. I think that's a yeah, that's a, a heavy uh, a heavy comment because it, deep, it gets to deep. legacy. Yes. And what are you leaving behind? Ooh, yes. What is the mark that you leave on the institution? Yeah. But, it, yeah. Having a nice building uh, named after you or built because you raised all this wonderful money is a wonderful legacy. Uh, quantifying, I left our organization 
able to do continuous improvement, uh, and we're never going to get there. But we're we got a mindset now that we're always going to be working towards that. That's a harder one uh, to for, I think for people to. To, to take ownership over in terms of legacy thinking. Well, legacies, go ahead. Well, just, I'm just going to say, because they don't often stamp uh, a, a meeting like the <laughs> president, the, the memorial, President Pete Wright Memorial Quarterly Business Review. <laughs> that's right. Right? That's, that's not a thing. No, and we want to feel like we can check off the box and say, look what we got done. Uh, I think we got to give more value to intangible outcomes uh, than just the, the, the tangible ones we can see and touch and feel. The intangible ones are the ones where, around how we work. That's why IT projects are, in in fact, so sort of seductive, because you know, say yes. you take on a project like, um, you know, a new learning management system. We're going to switch from you know Moodle to Canvas or something else. Right? We're we're changing that. At the end of that project, we know because Moodle has gone away and Canvas is here, and we can't go back. That's what got me thinking about the the new normal concept. Is this idea that in fact we we know when some projects have ended because the behavior has been forced upon us right we have to learn how to yeah. adapt and how to how to yeah but you know what the, this, so. the conversation that doesn't happen is not we know when projects end but the project doesn't end if we say what does success look like and if we measure success in terms of the outcome of the project producing the outcomes of why we started them in the first place, we'd realize the project is much bigger and longer and has a, has a shelf life and it's, it needs to be thought about sustainably out multiple years, not six months. Uh, and and that to me is the difference between project thinking and, and outcome thinking the, the or success thinking. Success might be getting the thing installed and working and people are using it. But that's not the reason we put it in. The success factor, really, the big success, is to produce a new way of working or create a transform way of engaging with students. You know, online yes. learning is a good example of that. But you have to have a continuous learning mindset to go, okay, we put this in, now what? And and that to me is what I, what I love about working with higher education is there there's an endless opportunity for moving in that direction and there's a lot of people that love this we just need to do more of it all right do you do you feel like we've solved it today uh yeah i think this i think this we're done right and i i think we got nothing and and there's there's nothing more to say about it and you know i i think that we've we've achieved success joke <laughs> You know, all we've done, your humor all we've is done, not by subtle. Way, if you scream uh, it out, if you all scream, we've, all we've done, Pete, is we have sufficiently confused people. I think, I think the power of our podcast is people walk away going, "That was it." You know, they they two, they both seem to like each other, and I'm more confused now than I was before <laughs> we started. Now, come on, no, I, think I actually, we, we contribute no, more than that. See, this is because you think confusion's bad. I actually think confusion's awesome. Oh, good. There oh you go. no! Then I'm in favor of whatever. There we, we go. Did. See, oh, you were so quick to like. Wait a second. Well, you're right. You've taught me nothing. 
I guess that's what that means. You've taught me absolutely nothing. Well, here's the the bottom line is for me, and as somebody who goes through and is has projects foisted upon them, I think the idea of understanding this, uh, the the danger. I would say not the not that we just can't use project language, but the danger of the project culture is yeah. really important to be aware of, and that for me is the real highlight of this conversation. Yeah, me too. I I learned a ton in this conversation. Seriously. Oh, good. Yeah, you ask you ask great questions wow. and, and and get me thinking about things and and, I, and that's what I think makes this uh, podcast uh, experience such a, a a valuable thing I think for you and I and, and hopefully for our listeners. Fingers crossed on that last point. There you go. Thanks everybody for listening. Find out more about the show at tybalink.com. You can learn about the show. You can subscribe to the email list so you'll uh, make sure you get a little notification whenever we uh, post a new episode. You can uh, join us in the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter and and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, thanks everybody. On behalf of Howard Tybal, I'm Pete Wright and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. Mm-hmm.